What's up, everyone? I'm Paul LaMonica, and on this week's episode of the Loader High Podcast, I'll be breaking down what happened in week seven of college lacrosse. This weekend's big matchups were Duke vs. High Point, UNC vs. UVA, Q's vs. Stony Brook, Rutgers vs. Maryland, Johns Hopkins vs. Penn State, Duke vs. Jacksonville, and Ohio State vs. Michigan. I'll give you the scores, stats, who played well and who did not, and all that good stuff. And at the end, I'll give you my big three takeaways from this weekend, as well as my top three players from this weekend. For the interview segment, I am joined with Boston College women's lacrosse goalie Caitlin Dever. Aside from lacrosse, Caitlin runs her own YouTube channel about life as a Division One athlete, nutrition, fitness, and a bunch more. Go check out our YouTube channel. I'll put it in the description below. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Hope you guys enjoy my talk with Caitlin, and let's get right into it. To kick off week seven of college across, we have to go back to last Wednesday when number one Duke was playing number 19 high point. I mean, this game for the Blue Devils was practically a shoot around practice, blowing high point out of the water this game with a final score of 27 to eight. The stats for Duke, Brennan O'Neill had five goals, Mikey Sowers, four goals and one assist. Cam Moulet had three goals. Joe Robertson had three goals and an assist. Uh, Phil Robertson had two goals and one assist and Mike Adler had eight saves. Stats for high point, Asher Nolting had three goals and one assist and Kevin Rogers had one goal and one assist. Second game on the board, we had a Thursday night matchup of number two UNC playing its first ACC game in almost two years against number eight Virginia. This game started out in UNC's favor all the way through the second quarter when UNC led the Hoos 11-2. UVA was able to crawl back in the third quarter and try and strike a fourth quarter comeback and the Wahoos were able to cut the lead 15-13 late into the fourth but UNC's 10-man ride was too much for them to handle. Final score that game was UNC 16, UVA 13. Stats for UNC Nikki Salomon had three goals and three assists. Chris Gray had four goals and one assist. Will Perry with two goals and two assists. Tanner Cook had two goals and two assists as well. And Colin Krieg, the freshman, had 20 saves. Stats for UVA, Connor Schellenberger had two goals and three assists. Matt Moore had two goals and two assists. Peyton Cormier had three goals. Jeff Connor had two goals and an assist. And Petey Lasalo was able to go 21 for 31 at the X. For Friday's matchup, we had number six Syracuse hosting unranked Stony Brook. Up in the dome, Syracuse was able to take care of business against a struggling Stony Brook team who tried to put up a fight but were ultimately overrun by the Orange. Final score of that game was Syracuse 17, Stony Brook 9. Stats for Cuse, Brennan Curry had two goals and three assists. Chase Scanlon had two goals and two assists. And Owen Hiltz had four goals and one assist. Stats for Stony Brook, Dylan Palanetti had two goals and one assist. Mike McMahon, Corey Van Genhoven, had, and Matt DeMeo all had two goals. For the first matchup of Saturday, down in Homewood, unranked Johns Hopkins hosts number 16, Penn State. Besides Penn State scoring the first two goals of the game, Hopkins went on a roll, scoring 13 goals opposed to Penn State's three by the end of the third quarter. Blue Jays take out the Nittany Lions 13-6. Stats for Hopkins, Connor DeSimone had four goals and one assist. Cole Williams with two goals. Joey Epstein had two goals and two assists. And Matt Naruski went 12 for 21 of the faceoff X. Stats for Penn State, TJ Malone with two goals and two assists. Matt O'Keefe had two goals. And Jack Kelly and Jackson Randall. Reynolds both had one goal. Moving on to our biggest game of the week and arguably the biggest game of the year so far, the new look number four ranked Rutgers goes into the Terrapins Den in College Park against number three Maryland. This game was down to the wire the entire first half with the Scarlet Knights fighting to take down the Terps. In the fourth quarter, Maryland has started to heat up, going on an 8-3 run, solidifying themselves as the best in the Big Ten. Final score of that game, Maryland 19, Rutgers 11. Stats for UMD, Jared Bernhardt had six goals and one assist, Danny Maltz with four goals, Kyle Long had three goals and one assist, and Logan Wisnowski had two goals and two assists. Stats for Rutgers, Kieran Mullins had three goals and two assists. David Sprock had two goals and two assists. And Adam Charlimbides had four goals. 
Now for our Sunday slate of the games, number one, Duke traveled down to sunny Florida, played in the last non-conference game of the year against Jacksonville. After a sloppy first quarter, Duke was able to regain its momentum and crush Jacksonville at home. Final score of that game, Duke 17, Jacksonville 6. Stats for Duke, Joe Robertson had two goals and three assists. Brennan O'Neill had five goals again. Sean Lowry had two goals and Michael Sowers had one goal and six assists. Jacksonville stats, Curtis Goddard had two goals and Matt Stagnina, Jeremy Winston, and Tucker Garrity all had one goal. For the last game of the weekend, we had number 15 Ohio State hosting Michigan, another game that went down to the wire after Ohio State's strong performance in the first half. Michigan was able to spark a small comeback in the fourth, but the Buckeyes were able to pull off the win at home. Final score of that game was Ohio State 13, Michigan 10. Stats for OSU, Jack Myers had three goals and one assist. Johnny Weissman had two goals and one assist, and Trey LeClaire had two goals and two assists. Stats for Michigan, Michael Bohm had three goals and one assist. Josh Zawada had three goals, and Bryce Clay had two goals. Now for my top three players from this weekend. Number one has to go to Brennan O'Neill, who had 10 goals in the span of two games, five against Jacksonville and five against High Point, all of them highlight-worthy. Second player of the week goes to Colin Creek, goalie for UNC, who was also a freshman with 20 saves against UVA, who helped them get the win. And the last player from this weekend who also stood out was Jared Bernhardt, who had six goals and one assist in their huge win against Rutgers. Now, my first big takeaway from this weekend is that nobody knows who's number one is. We had U.S. Lacrosse saying that Duke is still number one. Inside Lacrosse is saying UNC was number one. And then we had Quint Kesnick in his poll saying that Maryland is number one. You could put up an argument for all three teams. You could even put up an argument for Georgetown. I think you have to give it to Maryland in this situation because Maryland has played the toughest schedule by far out of anyone. And they also played a, they were the only, they're the only team this year that has had a top five matchup in, in them being number three and Rutgers and being number four and pulling, you know, a very significant win. You could say UNC pulling a win off Virginia, but that, that game was also really close. I mean, Maryland game was also really close as well, but I think Maryland had the biggest statement win and Duke hasn't been tested at all. Duke hasn't played and. I mean, besides the first two games, uh, Denver and Robert Morris, but Duke hasn't really gotten a real test from you know an ACC team like UVA, Syracuse, and UNC has. So it's really hard to say that they're the number one team in the country. And we're going to know this week weekend as they play Syracuse, so that is one thing to look for. My number one is Maryland just because of how they played so far. And, I mean, you could, you could put up an argument for UNC, number, you could put up an argument for Duke, but I'm going to stick with Maryland on this one. My second take quick from this weekend is that next weekend's game for Penn State is sink or swim. They're playing Michigan. Michigan's said to be the worst team in the Big Ten just be, just by off of their record, and Penn State's also the second worst team in the Big Ten. And I'll tell you this, this is not what we expected from Penn State this year. We, I mean, I think everyone could say that Penn State would at least be in the top, top crack the top ten, maybe even the top five, but... I mean, they're just not producing an offense at all. Gerard Arceri's not doing anything at the faceoff X. You got Mac O'Keefe, who is supposed to be the who's on who was supposed to be on track to be Division One's all-time leading scorer, only has seven goals in four games. And this was a guy that put up a seventy-goal season just two years ago. I guess the I guess the the loss of Grant Amon is still haunting them. I said it a hundred times, but you would have thought they would have figured out. You know a way to adapt from this, but you, you just don't see anything happening. They 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 just keep on losing games on costless turnovers and not being able to initiate an offense. They need to figure out what's going on because this weekend will te- will will be the fate if they can make the NCAA NCAA tournament or not. My final take from this weekend is that will Duke live up to the hype? You know they have they did everything they could on the offseason. They had the best they had the best offseason in all of college across history, bringing in the the most star setter recruits from all over the place. And you know they had a very dominant very dominant dominant uh, non conference schedule. You know rolling past teams going undefeated, their best start since 2014. Besides those first two games they played, but 
this weekend against Syracuse is their biggest test so far in the last two years for Duke. I think this this game will determine how the rest of the season goes for Duke, how their momentum's going to change to see what they're going to do in in a time of adversity if they're going if they're getting pinned down by a tough Syracuse uh, tough Syracuse defense or if uh, Syracuse's midfield line keeps on you know keeps on putting a lot of pressure on their defense it's going to show if they could live up to this uh, to live up to what they to what the hype has been for you know months to come so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how Duke uh, Duke plays this weekend and I think how Duke plays this weekend is going to determine how they play the rest of the season. Thank you so much for listening to my Week 7 recap of what happened in college across. I've had a blast doing these so far, and I can't wait to do them for the upcoming weeks and months with uh, college across really kicking up with these uh, in-conference in- in uh, games uh, in the coming weeks. But anyways, hope you guys enjoy that, and now get ready for my interview with Caitlin Dever. Caitlin Dever, better known as KD, the YouTuber and Boston College women lacrosse goalie. KD, what's going on? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How's uh, how's the quarantine life treating you right now? Not bad. On the backside of it, so almost out. I'm gonna be back with my team, so that's exciting stuff. I can't get back. I can't wait to get back to work. Yeah, for sure. And uh, how long you've been in quarantine for? How long have you been in quarantine right now? So I'm on day five right now. And so I'll return on day six after another COVID testing. BC has been extremely strict with the COVID protocol, um, which it's good, but it's good. It's good, but it's bad. Like you're excited that they're trying to do everything right, but it definitely makes it challenging to do extra work um, outside of times and practice because of facility restrictions and just trying to get out and about. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And what's your first game, uh, like, what's your first game you have uh, after you get back from quarantine? Yeah, so on Tuesday, we play Albany, um, which was a reschedule from a earlier week, but based off a COVID case, they had to reschedule it. And then after that, we play USC, which I am pumped about. Um, we're playing it in Fish 2 on Friday, so that's going to be a sick game. Um, definitely, we got to come out with a lot of steam after last year's upset um, when they beat us. Definitely. And what do you think you've been doing, like going back to quarantine, uh, like you being quarantined, what have you been trying to do to like, you know, pass the time and, you know, help, uh, help better yourself for your upcoming lacrosse season or for your YouTube channel? Yeah. I mean, I can always tell this to my teammates too. It's like to take this time, especially when you're in quarantine or you're dealing with COVID is to focus on the little things. Um, I try to actually incorporate a lot of that into my YouTube channel. So rather it's like, nutrition what you're putting into your body like see it as food as fuel like how you perform in the field is based off how you eat throughout the day like before you train after you train um and then fitness to me I don't know if I don't know I don't know this seems tough fitness for me is huge I think it makes such an impact to the player I am um I train probably I'd say I train pretty hard and aggressive um to make sure that I'm giving my best constantly to my team and my coaches because I want to make sure when it's game day I know I did absolutely everything I could to prepare for that game and so another little thing to stress on is film like you could sit in your room if that's what you have to do like quarantine or no quarantine and break down practices games scouting other teams I mean especially I mean I am a film major but I just think it's so important to be able to learn from the game Um, and that's all through just watching lacrosse for sure. And 
what do you kind of look, look for either in yourself when you're watching your own film or you're watching opponent's team's film? Are you kind of like looking about like individual players or how uh, teams are just playing in on offense as a whole? Yeah, I would say individual players for sure. And like tendencies that they might develop. Uh, obviously if you're watching a whole game and you see a pattern, like note that, because then it's like, if you're playing against them and you could pick that up, that could stop the next play from happening because you think they, they might do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's huge for me. It's like, if I see my hands are not moving quick enough to an opposite six side save, then I know I need to stress on strengthening my, my arms or working with resistance band on getting my stick across there quicker so I can make that save. So, I mean, definitely just taking that film and then applying it though. Like you have to learn from it and then make change. Do you have a lot of mental notes that you kind of first write down and then kind of memorize it? So like when you're going into the next practice, you remember like, oh, keep my, have my, uh, have my hands up, uh, have my hands up uh, higher or, you know, make sure I'm covering this more part, more of this part of the goal. Do you ever do that to yourself uh, going into a practice or into a game? Yeah. I mean, I'm big on just writing things down. Like I take, I know Mitchell Pelkey does this too, but I take the morning, I jot down like what my goals are for the day, a little to-do list. Like it's kind of just like a mental check-in. Um, but same thing with film. Like I'm big on writing down like throughout a practice, like tendencies that have happened. So I know going into the next practice exactly what I need to focus on, what my strengths were and what my weaknesses were. And when do you think you started developing that trait as a, uh, as a lacrosse player? Um, I would say... It started actually with ski racing, um, which is funny in middle school, um, because a lot of what we did was we'd watch our ski race runs um, on like this. It was kind of like huddle. It's called Sprongo. And your coach would highlight on it, like how your skis were pointed and how you need to fix it for the next run. And it's like with skiing, there's the margin for error is so small. Like you could win or lose by the blink of an eye. Like it's so it's so different than lacrosse. Like that's a score. Like it for ski racing, it's time. And so making those small fixes is huge. Um, and so learning from ski racing on, on how to watch film and then change your style or just adjust for the next run, it overlapped to my other sports. I mean, especially for lacrosse, like as a goalie, it's rather like eight meters or fast breaks. It's just like what you can do in the next situation that can make that big save. Mm -hmm. And you also said you played soccer as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I did soccer in the fall, winter ski racing, and then in the spring lacrosse. We're pretty busy uh, to yeah. say the least in high school. <laughs> and were you always, uh, were you always, did you ever have an off season or were you always just, uh, you know, summer, spring, winter, fall, always just having a sport to, uh, to go to? Yeah, I would say I was constantly go, go, go. And I loved it for that reason. Um, my summer was usually packed with summer lacrosse for club and then spring and winter, um, yeah, I was, I mean, this, the spring I was tied up with lacrosse. I was rather, I mean, especially freshman year, like you were just starting to visit schools and go through recruiting. So it was trying to find a balance between like playing in high school, but also like looking to play at the next level. So I think that was definitely a challenge on also then balancing schoolwork. Um, but the ski racing, I mean, I loved it so much. I almost actually skied in college. Um, but I decided on lacrosse my um the winter of my freshman year um just when we started going into recruiting and everything when do you when do you think you have like more adrenaline or you're more uh, you're more pumped up to go into something when you're starting in a big lacrosse game or when you got to get ready for a uh, a huge ski race 
it's tough. Um, I don't know. There's been moments where I can feel like the comparison between the sports. Like if it's one of those games where my team is like in a situation where it's zero, zero, like there'd be games in high school where it's like my team's down by one or it's tied. And that adrenaline is just such fuel to keep you like locked in and ready for the next shot. Like it's almost like the ball sometimes moves in slow motion. You're just so focused on doing your job. And I, it's so relatable to ski racing. Like when you're, when like the racer at the top, I mean, not the racer, it's the, um, the timekeeper at the top says go, like you are focused on one thing throughout that course and it is getting to the bottom as fast as you can. And I mean, it's just, both sports are just so mental. Like you cannot think like that last turn I messed up, that's going to cost me. It's the same with skiing. It's, I mean, it's the same with lacrosse. Like you can't be like, I left that. I let that last goal in, like, you have to move on. You've got to be ready for the next. And I think that speaks upon all college athletes. Like the mental toughness that you have to have to play your sport is huge. And now to have to do it through like COVID is even more challenging. A hundred percent. And I kind of just found that correlation between skiing and being a goalie in lacrosse is that as much of like goalies are supposed to keep the, the offense or uh, the defense together, you know, communicating obviously is 99% of it, but that mental game of, if you let in a bad goal, or like you said in skiing, if you make a bad turn is so similar because there's no one else to blame, but you're for yourself. And you just have to keep that, uh, that mentality mentality and check for yourself just to get better and keep on improving for the next one. Do you feel that was, that was one big correlation you found? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I know our now my college coach, Jen Kent, she stresses on it every day at practice. She's like, know your job and do it. And so that's just kind of how I, I see it for every sport. It's, you know what you have to do on the field and it's just getting it done. And so it's, it's not in a sense that like you want to get it done and, and move on, but it's like, you know the job and you know what it takes to get there. So you have to give it 110% every time if you want to succeed. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Miracle, but Herb Brooks would always preach, do your job, do your job. And you, and that's how, that's how they, um, that's like what he preached during practices. I watched this whole documentary on it. It was like, just do your one fifth in hockey. It's do your one fifth on the field and you're going to win this game. And that's probably what ultimate ultimately led to his, uh, led to his team success. So I like to see that still being preached, especially at the highest level. And uh, Caitlin, I kind of want to move back a little bit just to you know get to know you as just a lacrosse player a little bit so when did you first start getting into lacrosse yeah so I picked up a stick I would say in fourth grade um just starting out with rec um just because I actually played a lot of sports so doing the travel circuit wasn't really it for me yet um I wanted to figure out if I liked the sport um especially because I was also terrified of the lacrosse ball at first I just the idea of it coming flying at me I hated it um and I hated it all the way up to seventh grade like I remember they would have like rotations for who would be a goalie and I just would never do it. I was like, no, not, not participating in that. I'll play attack. Like that was all I would do. Um, and then in seventh grade, our goalie for our team didn't show up. And it was one of those years where you play with older kids, like a seventh and eighth grade team. And so it was my sister too. So I have a sister that's a year older than me. And so her and her friends were like, send Kate, like, Kate will go work with the goalie coach like she'll like it and I was just miserable when I got over there I was like I don't want to be here this is not fun and she was like we're going to start out with tennis balls like we're just going to start there and so we started doing a few drills and I, I just like I liked it it wasn't bad I was like all right this is fine but the whole time we did not use the cross balls and then the next week we had practice and the goalie didn't show up again so they're like Kate you're going and so we started off with tennis balls again and then we worked our way to lacrosse balls and 
I mean, I knew she wasn't shooting hard at all, but she was just trying to get me comfortable. And I mean, after a while, I got more comfortable and a few weeks, again, the same, same pattern, the other goalie wouldn't show up. And so I went, um, but by the end of the season going into, I think it was, it was going into like eighth grade then, um, I was doing um, a situation where I would play attack the first half of the game and then I'd play goalie the second half of the game. So I was playing both and I loved it for that reason. I didn't, I didn't want to completely convert to being a goalie. I wasn't there yet. Um, and then in eighth grade, um, I played for my travel team. Well, not my travel team, but like your, your, you know how you play in like your town, your town team. So I played yeah, yeah, yeah. eighth grade town team. Um, and then I did club, but I did like, again, the same thing, half field, half goalie. And so at the end of, what was it? I did that for seventh grade. I did that for eighth grade. And then going into my freshman year, I was, I was kind of like, okay, I think we kind of have to choose. So I also at that time decided to switch clubs. So I was going to play for steps club lacrosse. Um, Cause I thought it was the best for recruiting purposes. Um, plus a lot of people from my town spoke very highly of the coaches there and the, how they have connections to college schools. And anyways, so when I showed up for the tryout, the, um, the, I guess the, I want to call it. Uh, it's not like a CEO, but like the head. Director, I director. Guess, yeah, the director. the director, the director looked at my name and said that I wrote attack slash goalie. And he was like, no, you, you, you have to pick. And so my dad walked me over and we were, I was about to go out in the field and he goes, you can pick whatever you want. I don't care. I'll be happy with either, but just go do what you love. And so I ended up going with goalie <laughs> and I'm so happy I did. I mean, I can never look back on it. Um, but then I went full on recruiting for goalie and I'm so happy with that decision. I was going to ask you what position would you play other than goalie, but I, I'm assuming it's going to be attack at this point. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Me if I'm wrong. <laughs> See, I actually don't even know. Like at this point, I'm so sold on goalie. Like I think I would just completely switch sports and go to like soccer or something. If I, if I couldn't play goalie, I would switch sports. And what do you love about being the goalie the most? Um, part of it is just the idea of like, I don't know. I think I do live for the pressure. I like the idea of being like that last man. Um, but how my coach always says is like, you're the quarterback, like you see everything. And so I like being in net and being able to communicate with my entire defense and be like, this is what we need to do. Like, this is where ball is. It's just kind of leading the team, but it's more through action than just like saying what needs to be done, if that makes sense. Um, no, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. And um, what do you think about the stereotypes that uh, all goalies have a couple of screws loose and that they're a little crazy? Can you, can you attest to that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. No, I definitely have heard that stigma um, a few too many times, but I can speak upon like all of the goalies at BC is, we have quite the little click. We, we love hanging out with each other and yeah, we're different, but it's different in a good way. Um, we kind of all are a little different in, in the best way possible. And we all come together. Um, I can't say enough good things about both Rachel Hall, who's an absolute insane goalie along with Abby Nye. She's a senior right now. And then our newest goalie member that's joining us is Maddie Vanahan. She's on the fresh, she's a freshman. And during your recruiting process in high school, why did you end up choosing uh, BC to be your next home for your, uh, for the next four years? Yeah. So BC was actually the very last school that I looked at. Um, it was after, I remember it was after that Florida tournament that you go to at the ESPN center. Um, 
and I, I went to visit BC and it happened to be like during the winter. Um, so it wasn't their off, it wasn't in their season. So I didn't actually watch them play lacrosse. Um, I remember the coach had me watch them do basketball in the gym because they were competing in uh, a team Olympics. And I didn't even have to see them play lacrosse to know I wanted to be part of this group. Like it was just their connection off the field. I know would correlate easily onto the field. And it was just such a family group. I mean, the coaches just makes you like, they're the kind of coaches that are going to boost your confidence. So you go out on that field and you feel like on top of the world. And I wanted that so badly in a program. Um, and I know people say like, don't choose a school for a coach but I, I'm so happy I chose my school, especially with a coach like Acacia Walker. I mean, she's just like a mom to us, but at the same time, like she wants to win just as badly as us. I mean, she's had years of where it hasn't gone her way and she, she carries that weight every single game. And I think it, it, it's a good pressure for us to want to win it, not just for ourselves, but to win it for her. Um, and obviously the no brainers for that school is location. I mean, you can't beat Boston, especially like we're not necessarily right in the center of the city. Like we're on the outside, which is nice. So it's more of like a suburban setting. Um, I mean, it's also gorgeous. <laughs> you can't beat the looks of that school. I know flying my drone every time around campus, I'm like looking down at the screen. I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> and the buildings, the, I just, everything. It's just, as soon as you step on that campus, you'll be sold on why you want to go there when you were going to BC what did you have any like majors in mind or like what you wanted to do like that kind of sparked your interest in you know communications and media yeah I mean originally I remember I was I was really focused on studying something with nutrition um and then like tables kind of turned I would say my senior year um I started picking up a camera uh it was like the winter of my senior year and it was just like for fun, like in my backyard of my brothers, like we would be just shooting with a GoPro. Like it, it was just like the stupidest things. Like it could be like us going off a jump or like throwing snowballs. And it was just like having the camera in front of me. I was like, okay, I kind of like this kind of setup. Um, and then my senior spring, actually, I bought my first camera because I was using my mom's like old camera. It really wasn't working for me. <laughs> And so I was like, I'm going to go all in on this kind of setup. And so I did it and I started just going to other teams events. So I, I started going to like our high school boys baseball games, our high school lacrosse games and just shooting on the sides. Like literally I would just walk on the field. Do I think it was allowed? I have no idea. I just was like, I'm putting myself out there. Like if I get in trouble, I get off the field. Like it is what it is. And, um, so this man comes up to me actually this one day and he goes, who are you shooting for? <laughs> I was like, shoot. I was like, oh, no one actually, I'm just doing this for fun. And he was just like, well, how about you work for me and actually get paid for this? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was so just taken off. I was like, I literally don't even know what I'm doing. I'm shooting an auto right now. <laughs> like, I had no idea. And so, yeah, his name's Dave. He works for, um, he's a sports photographer for our town. And so he kind of became my mentor. He taught me like, the, the little things that you could like learn off YouTube or like you just wouldn't know like how like what settings to shoot in what ISO you should be in like what shutter speed for what sport like what lens like the little things that would just make you such a better photographer and so that definitely helped me so much um, going into college but 
again, there were so many things that I didn't know, like how to edit. Like I would take a photo and it would look great, but I, it would look good, but I wanted it to look great. And I think that also ties to sports where it's just like, you don't want to be good. You want to be great. So you want to find like, it's those little things that can make it so much better. So, I mean, I started editing on Visco. Like it, it was such a terrible process. Like it was so bad. And I finally worked up to like working on Lightroom and, and building my portfolio. And so just like over the course of the summer, like I would just DM like some sports people in my town and be like, do you need help for this club? And so I would go to their club events and I'd shoot for them. Um, it was just trying to get the experience. Like I needed the experience before I, I hit college. And I knew that. Um, and so I kind of went into college with a communications major um, because, I mean, it just seemed like the best fit for me. I knew I wanted to be something with media, but um, BC isn't exactly known for their film school. It's not really, a, it's not a huge program. I mean, you, you go to USC, it's known for film, but you go to Boston College, film isn't, film isn't really the program. Um, so I was like, I'm going to double major. So I went in on communication film. And so I've been working through that. I love my communications class. Like the last class I took last fall, like I wrote a paper on Michael Jordan. Like, I mean, it's so cool. Like the stuff that we get to do. And then film classes, I learned how to edit. Like that sold me. I was like going into my freshman year, this is it. <laughs> and you learn how to edit and you're writing papers on MJ. I was like, I found my majors. Um, so I, I was really happy with that. And then just working for the school's newspaper. I mean, it was free work, but I didn't care. I literally would do anything for free. I was like, I just want to learn. Um, and I would say that's kind of where YouTube played a big role is I would go on YouTube and I watch videos on how people edit the kind of angles that they got for their shots. I mean, a huge person for this for me was um, Ty Rogers. So he is just an insane photographer for sports. Um, he worked with Cam Newton for like the longest time. And he just ties in like sports with lifestyle. And like, that was the kind of niche I wanted to find, which I've learned more this summer um, for kind of a future job. But I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's definitely been a fast, I don't know how to say this. It's been a whirlwind since I figured out what I wanted to do, but in the best way possible, I've kind of just have dived into everything and anything I can get my hands on um, and just kind of exploring the whole digital creation um, world. Um, I kind of, uh, I'm in the same boat like that you were in with uh, editing, like with editing, you were using Visco. I like my first couple of, uh, video uh podcasts i put out i was using snapchat to like take a photo yeah. and then just use the use the text label just to put just to make something because i had no ha idea how to use photoshop i just got photoshop this weekend do you use photoshop i do <laughs> i'm gonna Trust have me, to ask you there's still yeah. there's still so much to learn like it's one of those things even when you get it like you open the application and you think like this whole time like i just need photoshop and i'll be great you get it and you open it and you are so lost and you're like, Oh my God, you have no idea what you're doing. And it's like that for every Adobe software, it's like, everyone asks you like, Oh, what editing software do you use? And you'll say it. And they think that's like an automatic solution. And I know, cause I did that. Like, I remember back in high school, I DM Katie DeFeo and I was like, what software do you use? Like assuming that was going to be the solution to like all my editing frustration. And I remember she told me like final cut pro. And like, I just kind of dawned on me. I was like, with or without that software, like that's not going to make you as the creator. Like you have to use your creative ability to sell that video to like your viewers on why they should like it. And so, I mean, yeah, I think choosing which software makes it less frustrating when things don't go your way. Like, don't get me wrong. 
like I started out on iMovie and I would get very angry very quickly. And then when I switched to Adobe, like my computer just couldn't handle it. Like it would just crash and like hours of work would just disappear. And it was just like heartbreaking. Cause it's like, you knew what you wanted to do and you were trying to apply as much as you could to it. And just things weren't going your way. And I don't know, I know the frustration with software but all I can always say is just power through it, power through it and you'll find your way. The thing about iMovie that I hate the most is that you cannot add two layers or one or more layers. It's, I want to add like multiple texts, like onto my, uh, onto like a zoom call I'm doing just to like have, you know, it says low to high podcast. Then, you know, your, your Instagram handle, my Instagram handle, you have to, you have to like download the video and then just add it in and re-download the video and add it. It's, it's the most frustrating process. Yeah. And it always sounds like my computer is about to blow up and same things going on with Adobe illustrator for uh, Adobe premiere right now is that it's, yeah. uh, it's crashing. Sounds like takeoff. Yeah. I would recommend, I don't know if you're doing it on your phone, but there's this new app that I found that I've recently actually just made an edit for a video today on my uh, Instagram, but it's called VN and you're able to do very similar things. Like you can upload presets to your video, which is huge for me. Cause I hate when the videos aren't edited the same for me. Um, especially like, cause I put similar edits on my YouTube videos to like how I want videos to look on my Instagram. So it's kind of just having like an overall similar look. Um, and you can add several layers, stickers, like images over, and then audio. So that, that's been super big for me recently. And who, like getting into the media world, who are some people that you uh, constantly watched on YouTube, whether it was in or out of the lacrosse world? Yeah, I mean, I would say it definitely started with Kitty DeFeo. I mean, seeing some of her videos when she was um, playing on the lacrosse team, I was pretty sold on that. Like, I was just like, I want to get all this kind of footage at BC. Because A, I was just kind of like, BC's better. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to like show how much cooler our school is. Um, but then also like creators, I loved their quality was uh, Stelios at Villanova. Like his videos and like now his edits are just like unreal. Like I love his work. Um, same with Mitchell Pelkey. Like the amount of time that he takes into editing, it's so clear. Like I love the coloring behind it, the audio his energy is electric and he's, he's a good reason. I, I improved on my energy. I think like, it's just like, you want to give your presence to the audience. Like you don't want them to like, feel like you're down or anything. And not like you're trying to put up like a fake face in the way, but it's just like making them excited to watch your video is the same way as you being excited to edit it kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I feel like my biggest pulls, but outside of kind of the lacrosse YouTube world, um I would say creators again like Ty Rogers I mean he's more like photos but he's been moving to like multimedia and so I love seeing his work um big time and then Grant over at Notre Dame I'm, I'm gonna butcher his last name Goskowski I think it is Grant Goskowski at Notre Dame but his work again is through the roof what he does for the Notre Dame media team I'm going to really, I'm going to speak about Mitchell Pelkey because he's kind of the idea of why I'm doing this podcast with you. And I got to give him some credits to this. So shout out Mitchell. I'll send this, uh, I'll send this clip to you, but he's just the funniest dude ever. I, I can't, I can't stop laughing. He does TikTok now. And they're the funniest things I've ever watched. He does all, he no, does, this, he does this really funny one. It's, um, it's it's like him because he's italian so he's like so like what do you get from having italian parents it's like having like nice hair like having like like always having good food and it's like being five seven and in like the way he like delivers it is so funny and what I, he was the first ever interview i had on this podcast and 
I didn't know how to do an intro every anything. I I was looking at it a couple of days ago just to see like how much like I I've grown from doing this and like what I what I took from it and it's kind of the reason like how like like you said like just getting the same energy. So when I'm like introducing him, I say like what's up everyone like here's Mitchell Pelkey and he doesn't say anything for a second and he goes. Paulie D what's going on my brother how we doing how we doing and he and he completely like put a huge smile on my face and then like the rest of the episode he was just like he was just so like enthusiastic and he was so excited to do this because he loves his fans so much that he appreciates like every single time they comment on his video he likes all the he likes all the comments on his YouTube channels just to know like the fans are like that he appreciates his fans always always like responds to their comments and funny stuff like if you tag him in something like he'll definitely respond to you and he he he's just been great he's helped me out a lot with stuff like like with uh editing and how you said about like you dm'd katie to fail what final like yeah getting a video software i did the same thing with him he's like i used to i used to deal with the same stuff you did so just hang it like this what you just said to me like hang in there just power through it he said the same thing to me and i I give him a lot of credit for how I'm doing my stuff, how I started off my intro with you, you know, just being as enthusiastic as possible. I, uh, I give a lot of credit to him. And I, I think you, I think he, he's a big supporter of you. And how is he, how has he like personally helped, uh, help shape how you do your videos? Yeah. I mean, I think his biggest pull for me was like getting, I mean, I know because I'm a film major, I want to give like such quality work all the time but sometimes it bites me in the sense where I don't push out content as much as I should or create as much as I should and I think that just goes to like the fact that I I'm so all over the place like I'm trying to shoot for like other sports teams like for photos so it's like hard to only do YouTube um but he was just like I remember he we FaceTimed in the fall and he was just like quantity Dever (laughs) like he was like he's like, you want to give the people what they want. And so he kind of pushed me to like, just keep trying to push out content constantly. Like when you have an idea, great, come up with idea two and get working on idea two while you're working on one. And so, I mean, I just love seeing how much he also cares about each comment, each subscriber. Cause I do the same thing. Like you comment on my video, you know, for sure. I'm going to comment back something like, just thank you for the support. Um, Cause I don't have anything close to him on like subscribers. I'm like under one K I know he's over 15. Um, I just don't care. Like I know at the end of the day, like I'll get there one day. I don't, it's not a number that I focus on necessarily. I just think the people that do see my work appreciate it. And I just want to like appreciate that their support means so much to me. Um, but Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, more recently, I finally feel like I've been giving him some advice. He asked me about some camera stuff. Um, so that's more my niche just because I do so much photography at BC. And so I was helping him out there, but I was like, finally, like, I feel like I always go to him on like the small little things um, about like editing, like YouTube, like there's just so much or like music, like he's like a music God to me. He knows like tight music, like all this. He started, I'm rambling on our FaceTime and I was just like, oh my goodness. I just like try to find stuff that isn't copyrighted. Like, and I realized like music plays such an important role in your videos. It sets the mood and the type of the video that it's going to be and so I think that has increased my video editing skills tremendously for sure and like as a personal question do you prefer videography or photography honestly I'm so split down the middle like I love the video editing but I just love photos too so I think the whole multimedia thing is kind of where I'm sold like especially with projects like where you the image sequences like where you bring the photos to life is, is I love that. Um, 
but yeah, I'm very 50, 50 on the situation. I don't think I could choose right now. And what do you think is something that people might not know about, about like doing video editing or Photoshopping that it just like takes a lot of like what takes the most time for you when you uh, put out a video? Yeah. I mean, I would say for sure it's the video editing that takes the longest. I don't think people realize how much it takes, especially when you start working with like larger files, like you have to wait for the videos to download and then the upload speeds. It's just like, sometimes your computer can't handle it and it crashes and you have to start over. It's like, and also being an NCAA athlete, it's like, you're doing all this because you love it. You're not doing it because you're getting paid. Like there are YouTubers out there that get paid and it's like, you're doing this because you enjoy doing it. And even if sometimes it's challenging, like you just work through it, like just like everything else in life. Like you just gotta like sit down and be like, I'm gonna get this done because I know at the end of the day, I'm gonna be so happy once it's done. And I don't know, I think another big struggle that no one realizes is working through the rules of like the NCAA and compliance. Like I know Mitchell talked to me about this too, but it's just like, it sucks when you work so hard on a project and then you get told it has to be taken down or it's not allowed because you said something in it that compliance doesn't like. And it's just like, sometimes you just feel so trapped on your video editing abilities because you can't do and say everything that a regular YouTuber can do. And the worst is like, when you see another college athlete on YouTube able to do it, but because I go to BC and my compliance is very strict and follows my YouTube channel and follows me on social media and will tell me the do's and don'ts, which I love so I don't get in trouble, but it sucks when you see other people not following the rules, um, which kind of which kind is the one negative. But I mean, I, again, like I cannot say enough gratitude towards um, the compliance staff at BC for keeping me in check because I would never want my YouTube channel to affect my abilities to step on the field um, ever. 100%. And like, is there stuff like that you want to put out on YouTube that's like, does it's not really like anything like terrible, but like just because of compliance that like, it's not, it's like, it's not really allowed that like projects that you would want to work on? Yeah. I mean, I would just say for me, especially because I just, I'm so passionate about fitness and nutrition. It's just like, working with other companies and organizations that feel the same way. Like I would love to tie that more into my channel, but I know it's just not in the cards for me right now. Um, hopefully one day it is, but it's just, again, abiding to the rules um, for now. But yeah, I mean, I know in the fall, um, I actually got to film at Orange Theory, um, which was an insane experience. And um, again, like it wasn't like to promote, I had to make sure that it was like, not to promote Orange Theory in any way and not associated with like the BC lacrosse team. Like it's, you have to separate it if that makes sense. And to me, that's so hard. Cause it's like, you're asking me to separate my life with lacrosse and like my life outside of lacrosse, but it's like, you can't separate that. They're so intertwined. So trying to find a way to like stay in the rules, but not have my channel be something that I'm not is so challenging sometimes. Yeah, I, 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 I feel for you guys on that because I, uh, I listened to this podcast about how like it, it's tough for college athletes who like really love what they do, but like some stuff that, you know, they do outside of lacrosse that doesn't really have to do with them being a lacrosse player, being a student athlete, that's just what they're doing on their own. And they're using their skills that they use for helping the lacrosse team and helping the media team that they just want to use on their personal, on the personal level to just like make some money, like while you're while you're home for, exactly. for the summer stuff like that and it's considered like 
doing something within your sport, which is pretty, pretty ridiculous to me, uh, to me. I don't know how you feel about that, but it, it's just like not being able to use your skill that you, that you love and you can't really uh, like do something until you're graduated. Gradu- yeah. Like you can't you apply it to your life. And that's the yeah. thing. It's just like, that's the thing that gets me. It's just like, if the sport itself is a job, like, and it is, I mean, it requires countless of hours for the practice, the lift, the treatment, like making sure you're just like in the constant go of the sport. It's just like, you don't necessarily have time to get a job and then also have a hobby. So it's like, if you're not going to get paid for your hobby, then you have to find another job. It's just like, how much can you take onto your plate is the next question. Um, and again, it's like, you don't want to take on too much because then you don't want your performance on the field to suffer. So I think as a student athlete, it makes it very challenging to find that balance. And I applaud anyone who can. And how many hours does it take for you to put out just like a single five or six minute YouTube video? Yeah, I know my videos aren't that long. I know that <laughs> usually they stay in the range of like five to 13 minutes. Um, I'm not, I, I don't like long, long videos. It's just not, not my style. Um, but I would say like the last one from the media day, um, I would say it took me, I mean, I did on the way home um, to start my quarantine, but it, it took over three hours. So, I mean, again, like I'm so happy with how it came out and I don't regret the time that I spent editing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it takes time out of like time where you could be doing something else. Like I don't get me wrong, but it's what I love and I want to put time into that. Yeah, for sure. And what have been some of your, like while filming at Boston College, what have been some of your favorite experiences either with the lacrosse team, uh, being a videographer with your YouTube channel or, uh, you know, like you said, you, I, like, uh, like I said, you said you work with a newspaper for the basketball and soccer team. What have been some of your, you know, highlighted experiences? Yeah. Um, well, for this year, I would definitely say it was the fact that in the fall when we weren't able to have like our team in a sense got suspended from facilities because we weren't a priority sport um so we were had to do training outside and so we all went to orange theory and i just loved being able to capture our team outside of lacrosse it kind of came full circle for me because like when i visited bc i saw the lacrosse team outside of lacrosse and that's what i was sold on so in a way i wanted my orange theory video to kind of capture that because i want people to see like our team is unique and special because of the relationships that we have outside and off the field. Um, and another video, I know I talked about this with you, but the media day videos comparing from last year's to this year's, because last year's, it was like, I was a part of media day and I got to see the BC, uh, I got to see the BC digital team, um, shoot our photos, do our videos. And I just, I stood there like with my GoPro getting aside, but I was just like, I want to do what they're doing. Like, I want to be there. I want to be taking those photos and come full circle one year later, we're doing media day to get, we're doing media day again. And I'm there finally, like I'm shooting the photos. I get to do a little bit of video. And it just was like full circle one year later, like you're turning your dreams into a reality. And I a hundred percent believe like you set your mind to something like you'll get it done. And to be able to see that was just kind of like an eye opening moment to me where it's just like, you can do whatever you want. Like just, just, I don't know. Like it was just, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but you were just kind of in awe of your own ability to get, get it done and get to where you wanted to make your dream possible. Um, but those have been my two outside of lacrosse and outside of BC, I would say my uh, little playlist 
or a series that I made in Florida with my family. Um, a big thing about my YouTube channel that I just love is the ability to go back and reminisce on the memories and the moments um, and that whole Florida trip. Like I just love being able to look back on it and see my family together and with my grandpa um, and us just like the everyday humors or like us at dinner or us in the gym. Like my whole family's super into sports and, and fitness. And I, I thought it was just so funny seeing my, my family in the gym all together. Like a constant banter that you see like in our house, but no one else sees um, to be able to capture that on camera is pretty, pretty epic. And would you say this photo uh, like would encapsulate like what, like how awesome it is that you have been like being able to do what, what you were doing and also being a lacrosse player. If for people listening, it's a photo of uh, Kate with her uniform on in her cleats and she's taking a photo of one of her teammates. Do you think that's kind of like one of your, like if your favorite photo or something that kind of just says it all of what you're really doing right now? Yeah, that, that photo definitely captured more than just the, the image itself. But the idea where like, you don't have to pick one, like you don't just have to be a student athlete. Like I believe you can chase your dreams and, and do what you're passionate about off, off the field. And that picture just goes to show, like I'm able to be, a content creator and I'm able to work with other teams on their photography and for their socials. And I love that. And it makes Boston so much better. And to be able to also play lacrosse and to be able to shoot like my teammates and capture like the amazing program that we are, it's just, it's a feeling that honestly words can't, words, words aren't good enough for this. Um, my current situation. I just, I'm so happy where I am. I could tell. I mean, you, you love, I like, like just hearing you talk about it, just like, like brings a smile to my face about like how, how you're, how into it, like, and how, and how much you like love doing what you're doing, even though you have the rigorous, uh, rigorous life of a student as well as being a division one athlete. And then you have this awesome passion, like uh, awesome passion for videography and photography and then having a YouTube channel and you love nutrition you love fitness and you just have so much revolving in your life but you're able yeah. you're able to show a balance yeah I mean I just love the fact that it's like I feel like I have so much to share and my YouTube channel is just kind of a place where I can throw it all at you like <laughs> I have like a food and fitness Instagram and then I have like a media Instagram but it's like I don't need to separate on my YouTube channel. I just put it all together in one video. It's like, you're going to see me shooting video. Then you're going to see me playing lacrosse. And then you're going to see what I'm eating for lunch all in one video. It's like, you're seeing how I balance things throughout the day to be able to do everything I enjoy. And that's all. And like, that's awesome that you, that you're going to be one of the first people to do this and that you're going to be able to look back on it like 10 years from now, seeing how you were able to balance everything when you, once you have a, once you have a job and you're much older, seeing what you were able to do and how people are able to grow, grow off of this, I think is just something that's going to be really special for you to see in the coming, coming years. And for people kind of to, to live up, not live up, but, uh, you know, be, have a model for, you know, living, living the crazy life of a division one athlete and showing that it can be done. If you want to have a hobby, if you really do love something, you can chase your dreams and like kind of to wrap it up a couple of my rapid uh, questions that I want to wrap it up with. What do you see yourself doing for the lacrosse world in the coming years, whether it's social media or just playing the sport in general? Yeah. I mean, I definitely have been really focused on to, um, this year on kind of just, again, pushing those dreams into action. And so I believe like, again, just keep reaching out to people. Like I jokingly, like my, my coach, Kayla trainer, like 
our coaching staff, again, like half of them still play lacrosse, but that's how awesome they are. Like Kayla Trainer, Sam Apuzo, like they're still playing lacrosse and to have them at our practices is just absolutely phenomenal. Like they're shooting on us. It's just like overall great time. And so Kayla Trainer was talking to me about uh, AU Pro Sports. It's going to be like a new professional girls league after the WPLL kind of folded in. And she was explaining how they have this whole summer series. It's very similar to the PLO. Um, And I looked at the PLO internship as well. I don't know. It's just something where it's just like, I want the girls program to grow. And so I reached out to AU Pro Pro, um, Lacrosse and I was like, hey, like I'm a photographer. I'm a videographer. I do digital media. Like I'm all into social media. Like I can help. Like if you have anything I can do this summer, like please contact me. Like here are my information. And I hopped on a Zoom with them like the following week. And I, I think for the most part, it's not 100% yet, but I, I'm going to be working for them this summer um, and hopefully help them with socials. Like, I just think women's, women's lacrosse, it needs to grow. Like the athletes that are out on the field are absolutely unreal. Like what my coaches alone are able to do on our field needs to be shared. And I don't know who else wants to join my little bandwagon of making lacrosse especially women's lacrosse more on socials possible like I'm all for it I know Katie DeFeo did a great job out in USC and I hope more creators come out of this um but I just I more participation is going to lead to more lead to more competition I think just pushing the the competition up is just going to overall just make the game more exciting and make it more competitive and I mean obviously I'm a competitive person so to know that there's going to be a higher higher bar of talent is just like it's awesome to hear that. I mean, you want the sport to grow and it, it really needs to grow at this point. Like the talents there, it needs to be shared. And what do you think is going to be the deciding factor in helping growing the women's game? I think it is pushing content. I mean, I know even I, as a, I literally play college across and I am trying to figure out like my ESPN subscription, my ACC subscription on like how to stream a college game. Like it's just so challenging, like to just try to find lacrosse. And I know, ACC has been and has been streaming more games and it's great, but it's just like, it's so hard for people to watch lacrosse because it's just not out there. Like it's rather you have to pay for it via a subscription or like, it's just not on TV. And it just like bums me out. Cause it's like, I remember yesterday I was trying to get a game on and um, my friend who plays at Lehigh, she was playing and I was just like, you need an ESPN subscription. I was like, really? <laughs> so then I bought it. And then today I wanted to watch Penn state versus Maryland and you need a big 10 subscription. So I had to buy that. I was like, all these subscriptions, it's like, I want to watch the game and I want to like see it grow, but it's like, to what cost is everyone going to be willing to do that? And so I think that's where Instagram plays such a big role. It's like, you don't have to stream the game necessarily, but showing like quick highlights of the players or like even like off the field sideline chatter can sell you on the player itself, which would make you want to buy the subscription. I mean, this sounds like a bit like my like, social media class right now that I took in the fall but it's just the idea of it's like selling on the athlete is going to make you want to learn about the game and I know if we can get more to learn about the game you're just going to grow do you think the PLL is trending in the right direction in putting out highlights every second being on national television with NBCSN and having such a strong social media presence of you know miking up the players when they're playing having that stuff out on Twitter Instagram and TikTok do you think that's that's the way that like women's lacrosse should move into that direction I mean I think what Rob Pinnell has done I mean not Rob Pinnell take that completely back Paul Rabel what Paul Rabel has done for the PLL 
absolutely blows my mind. Like his media team covered anything and everything possible. Like sometimes like you'll see something that the MLB does and you're like, wow, that's awesome. Or like the NBA or like the NFL, he literally took everything and pushed it all out. And I was just like, cause I wasn't obviously there, but I was just like, this is phenomenal. Like it was on everything, like, like everything on social, like between TikTok and then it was like Instagram reels, but then it was like the interviews with the players, the, the chatter. And so I mean, at the time I was working for Steps Club Lacrosse. I was the media manager this past summer. And so I kind of saw their work and then I was like, okay, I'm going to try to do this, but obviously it's a one man job for me. So I'm going to do my best, but I, I just tried to take what they did and, and apply it to club lacrosse. Um, and I think I did, I did do that. I mean, I conducted interviews, I did full game highlights um, and then like little banter on the sidelines with like the younger girls. Like I tried to just do the same thing. Cause I think what they're doing, I, I know, especially for my brothers, like I, I think they were able to just learn more about the game, but also learn more about the players and like what makes them unique and, and kind of like a little behind the scenes of how they got to where they were. I think I think the mic'd up is really what got a lot of people. I mean, how can you not love a nice Ryder Garnsey chirping, chirping a defender? Matt got it, screaming like a hyena. All that stuff is just kind of what what really. I think it's what it's what's bringing lacrosse. It's just like that small micing up the players when they're in the middle of the game, talking to the box, is is just so important. I I don't know. I don't know like why I think, I guess it's just getting what what's going on in the players heads in the middle of the game instead of them giving the the uh, the PG answer of the press bot like what's going on like after like the press conference like oh I was just thinking about like I wasn't thinking about anything I was just trying to help my team win but if you hear them in the yeah. uh, in the like in the middle smack. of the game you're talking <laughs> smack and it's the funniest thing ever and it's just like showing maybe it's not the best thing for younger players but if you're older and like you love for, you, you crave that stuff that's exactly what you want to hear you want to hear those chirps you want to hear Tim Muller screaming at Matt Dunn like to slide you want to hear uh, Paul Rabel like yelling at his teammates to make sure they're they're uh, they're giving him a picture stuff like that is Mm-hmm. what's like go like helping what's going on like what's going on in the middle of the game I think is just going to be that driving factor yeah for sure and you know my last question for you uh Kate is what would be the biggest change in all what do you think would be one big change that you would like want to make in the lacrosse world I would hands down want them to fix the NIL I think it's kind of bs that athletes can't make money off their name image and likeliness for the mere reason it's like athletes are creating their image yes they play a sport but it's their ability to do what's off the field if they can't make money off that again it goes to the point where it's like lacrosse or any any sports a full-time job and so i think if an athlete's able to successfully market themselves off the field they should be able to profit off that and i think if i could change one thing for college athletes that'd be it I think, I mean, yeah, if I was able to be paid for my YouTube videos, that'd be great. I would love for that time that I edited to be paid for, but as of now, it's not. And I mean, that's the reality of it. It it is what it is. But if I can change that for future editors, I think at the end of the day, more people are going to be willing to edit. Like if money drives them in the beginning, great. And then they fall in love with editing itself. That's helping them choose a career. So I think at the end of the day, it's just like, allowing athletes to be who they are off the field is is what I hope for and it kind of just pushes the college name out if they have a big uh big name YouTuber and our Kate Dever at Boston College has 
500,000 subscribers that, that, that helps Boston college out here, like going inside their locker room, seeing how popular their girls across team. It's, it's a win-win in the, in the end, especially if you're able to make money off of it and you don't have to do your own editing. You can push out more content. You can push out as much content as, as you want, instead of not being on a, like being on a more strict schedule of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, unlike if like you're doing your own editing and you can only post once in one month because you have a huge uh, midterm paper due. I, it just, it, it just seems, it just seems way more logical in my, yeah. in, in my eyes. And if, if you think that change, if that change does come, what's going to be the, what do you think is going to be the biggest thing that is taken from the players that that's going to just be the driving factor of how college athletes are, you know, seen, seen through their uh, social media. Yeah. I mean, for me, my only concern with that again is like, if an athlete, I don't know if a concern, but like, I also want there still to be that quality work behind like what Mitchell does and what Stelios does and what Katie did. And like, what I hope to do is like the quality in, in the film and the, the breakdown, like, I don't know. I think I don't want someone to become a YouTuber just to make money or just to get a lot of views because they attend a certain school. Like I, I do want you to do it because you love it. So it's also hard if money's your only driving factor, because I think then if we flood YouTube with just like any school or any athlete that just wants to make YouTube videos, it's like for a kid watching YouTube, it's like, where do they go? Where do they navigate? Like, is there certain channels that are more positive and, and makes them think like in a positive limelight towards a college sport? Or is there other channels that kind of push them down towards the school so it's kind of I don't know finding a balance between the two of, of money but also like using the NLI as a benefit to to YouTube and other other socials like here's an idea that I've come up with that I don't know if this sounds logical at all but if the if the college hired students who were like who were editors and who were getting paid because they're not athletes to edit your videos and you could push out more content would that be a more helpful solution um, I mean, it's tough because I, I like the editing side. So I think for the school, I know, like, um, I don't know if you've seen, but Clemson football, they now have a YouTube channel. And so they kind of have done something similar. It's not the athletes making the YouTube videos, like they'll walk around and they'll commentate and they'll hold the GoPro throughout the day. And then you'll see a day in the life of like a Clemson football player, but it's Clemson that's editing the video. It's Clemson that's posting the video. So the athlete doesn't really have control over like the final product. And I never personally want that taken away from me. I like being able to sit down, chop up that film and just edit it the way I want to tell my story. Cause at the end of the day, it's, just, it, it's the video that I produce is a story that I want to tell and I want to share. And so I don't know if I necessarily want to give control to someone else to do that. Um, but I know for some, they might want to tell their story, but don't have the editing abilities. So I think in their terms, yeah, it'd be very beneficial to have someone constantly editing their videos. KD, thank you so much for coming on the Loda High podcast. I really appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to seeing you on the field this, uh, this season with BC. Yeah, thank you again so much for having me. This is awesome. Of course, of course. All right, have a good day.